The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good morning, everybody. Dick Gabriel in for The Voice as he had a late, late night. Actually, just about everybody did within the sound of my voice because if you watched the Wildcats, you were up past midnight unless you shut it down early and gave up on them. And in a way, I couldn't blame you because it was a bit of a beatdown. But Kentucky did make a pretty good comeback. And as John Calipari pointed out, then kind of lost their minds, their collective mind, uh, as they cut it to eight on a couple of occasions and had a chance to cut it to six, but just didn't make the plays when they had to. And Tennessee pulled away for the win, getting the measure of revenge that the Volunteers wanted. So we will talk about that this morning with Chris Fisher and John Clay here on the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, which this morning doubles as my garage. So uh, some of the headlines for you involving Kentucky teams this morning and the Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppe's. Check out their new climate-controlled patio and the drive through window for orders to go. Personal note, Trident Yankees, they're fantastic, just like my grandmother used to make. So, you know, the Wildcats lose it 76-63. to Oscar Shibway led the way with only 13 points but 15 rebounds, but he had a hard time getting loose for anything inside. Oscar, 5 of 15 from the field. That was the problem all night for the Wildcats. Unlike the game up here in Lexington, they just could not hit shots. They hit 34% from the field for the game. Tennessee just blistered the cords in the first half, as you saw, hitting nearly 55%, which is what the Volunteers shot for the game up here in Lexington. But In the second half, Kentucky much better defensively, at least when it came to Tennessee's field goal. And the Vols cooled off a little bit as well. It seemed like they were hitting everything they threw up in the first half. They only hit, in the second half, 30.4%. But they got to the free throw line more as Kentucky had to be more aggressive on defense, started getting tired, and Tennessee was 14 of 17 from the line in the second half. But for the game, the Volunteers hit just... 44% from the field. However, they hit 8 of 17 from beyond the arc. Kentucky as a team hit 5 of 16 from beyond the arc. And Jimmy Dykes talked about this quite a bit on TV, and and Tom and Mike did as well. Kellen Grady, Tennessee, absolutely sold out to do two things, to swarm Oscar Shibway and to stop Kellen Grady from getting off. And they did a great job. Kellen, 2 of 9 from the field, two of six from beyond the arc, uh, along with three rebounds. Had a couple of assists. Davion Mintz did what he could, but in 31 minutes, four of 12, two of six from beyond the arc, and uh, really filled in, I thought, as best he could for Ty Ty Washington, who only played about 12 and a half minutes and appears to be hurt again. Calipari, after the game, kicked himself for actually putting him in. He said, I shouldn't have played him, but I did. He made it sound like Ty Ty kind of convinced him that he could go, but uh, wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play Saturday. But, you know, he's got a couple more days to heal. Got an extra day, in fact, with the Wildcats playing on a Tuesday. So 
Uh, Kentucky now loses a game in the standings to Auburn. So if you're thinking about the SEC title, it's going to be a long shot. And if you're thinking about that number one seed as well, Wildcats now need to really protect that two seed status going in to the SEC tournament, which is not that far away. UK women got a big win last night. Any win for them right now is big because they've been struggling so much. But Kyra Elsie has a couple of players back, including Jada Walker, who had been hurt, Adriana Edwards, who had been suspended. And they both came up big last night as Kentucky, which was down 15 points with 7 minutes and 10 seconds left in the game, went on a 24-2 to run to end the game and beat Mississippi State 81-74. to Adriana Edwards, 23 points, 10 rebounds, Three block shots, three assists, two steals. That's the kind of effort that they were hoping to get from her all year. But as I said, she has spent some time on the bench in the doghouse. Jada Walker had 17 with five rebounds and two assists. Ryan Howard, yet another double-double, 16 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, a couple of blocks, a couple of steals as the Wildcats even their record at 11-11. and Zach Yenzer now officially named as Kentucky's new offensive line coach. This is a guy with Kentucky ties. He grew up in Fort Mitchell. Uh, His family moved when he was in third grade to Georgia, but he talked about coming home to coach for the Wildcats. Of late, he's been with the San Francisco 49ers in the NFL. Prior to that, three seasons at Kansas as the run game coordinator and offensive line coach, which is what John Schlarman did for the Wildcats. He was also the run game coordinator and the O-line coach. And, in fact, Yenzer worked at Troy back in 07 as, I believe, a GA working under John Schlarman. So he's coming home in more than one way. When we come back, Chris Fisher will talk to us about Kentucky football and basketball. You are listening to the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Averlin to Tom Leach, joined now by Chris Fisher. You see his work uh, in the Cats Paws, part of the 247 Network. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you. Kind of an early morning after a late-night game, I know, but uh, anybody on the beat was up watching that last night. And you, like so many, were tweeting throughout the game. And I thought you, uh, among your many interesting tweets, Chris, Chris put up uh, a great comment when you said, and this was fairly early, might have been still in the first half, you said it feels like Kentucky has failed to match Tennessee's intensity since the scrum on the bench. Tell us a little bit about that tweet and what you saw. Yeah, so last night to me was really, really simple. Tennessee wanted their pound of flesh from the 28-point loss in Lexington, and they played like it, especially after you know that, that scrum on the bench early in the game. Kentucky had that good start. I think they got out 8-2, to two, and then from that point on, it just seemed like Tennessee took it to another level, and Kentucky wasn't able to match that. Now, it's human nature. You're going to have a letdown after a 28-point win. The other team is, is going to be much, much hungrier, but you can make up for that if you execute, but on the flip side of that, it's really, really hard to execute when the other team is just playing more physical than you. And I thought that was 
pretty much the story uh, in the game from from that point on. Um, and when you factor in, you know, no Ty Ty Washington for the second half, a subpar game uh, from Oscar Sheway, that's the result you get. I, I don't think you can point to one Kentucky player outside of maybe Jacob Toppin that played, you know, anywhere close to their standard or what we've, you know, come to expect from them. And so uh, I just thought Tennessee outmuscled Kentucky and and it showed in the results. Toppin played 20 minutes, 11 points, 6 rebounds, 5 of 9 from the floor. He is fast becoming in terms of guys I enjoy watching, one of my favorite players. And if he comes back next year and I would have to think he would, I believe he can, um, he could do some great things. Yeah, I agree with that. He's his versatility at both ends of the floor is is really really valuable for Kentucky and his contributions on nights when you know Keon Brooks just really doesn't uh, you know bring the things that he's capable of of bringing on a consistent basis. There are just some nights where you know Keon Brooks does still just doesn't really you know show up, and and last night was was one of those nights. So it's good to have uh, you know between those two guys that that four spot. Uh, solidified as we uh, head into the postseason. Yeah, Toppin tried to get started offensively, but one for six, eight points, and only three rebounds in 22 minutes. A lot of time spent on the bench. Uh, Ty Ty Washington tried to go, and if you were on the Zoom call, you saw John Calipari kind of kicked himself for for playing him. Sounded like Ty Ty talked his way into the lineup, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. And I don't blame John Calipari for playing Ty Ty Washington. I don't no. blame Ty Ty Washington for trying to play. Um, you know, fans would have, you know, fans were clamoring for Ty Ty Washington to play before the game even got started. And so, uh, you know, he gave it a go, but that's, that wasn't a game that you want to play at less than a hundred percent because Tennessee was out for blood and, and they played with, with intensity and were really, really physical all game long. And, you know, it looks like he kind of tweaked that ankle early in the second half and, and didn't come back. And when he did play, he didn't look like himself. He wasn't getting some of the lift on, uh, on his shots. He had a couple turnovers and, uh, I think, you know the focus right now for Kentucky needs to be getting healthy as we enter this stretch run because it doesn't get much easier for Kentucky oh. down the stretch. You have Alabama who you know uh, coming into Rupp Arena on Saturday who will be looking for their own measure of uh, of revenge after losing to Kentucky and Tuscaloosa. You go to Arkansas uh, and then you have Ole Miss at home and then you go to Florida, which. Uh, will not be uh, an easy game either. So Kentucky goes all of a sudden from, you know, playing for a number one seed in the NCAA tournament to just trying to hold on to that two seed in the SEC tournament. All of a sudden, you know, Kentucky drops a couple games uh, here over the next couple of weeks, and they're looking at a three seed in the SEC tournament. And this is going to be, I think, one of the most competitive SEC tournaments that uh, that we've seen in, in some time. So you need all the all the help you can get in Tampa. Yeah, you tweeted as much as well that the SEC tournament is going to be really interesting. And there's no question about that as we talk with Chris Fisher of the Cats Paws, part of the, part of the 247 network. Um, you mentioned where we talked to him prior to the game on a Zoom call, and he only got, he got less than seven minutes. I guess he wasn't giving Calipari what he needed. I really thought that we would see more minutes, and I thought they could have used it 
from Lance Ware defensively inside, but uh, that was a kind of it was kind of an all hands on deck night, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked like John Calipari was, you know, trying a little bit of everything and, you know, throwing it at the wall and see, seeing if it would stick. Yeah. Any help that he could get off the bench. Damian Collins got a couple minutes. Bryce Hopkins got a couple minutes. He threw Dante Allen in there and then, you know, Lance Ware, um, six minutes off the bench. And there just wasn't really much that was, was working for Kentucky. And again, I just think it all comes down to fight and, and effort and Tennessee punched Kentucky in the mouth and, and they just didn't really, uh, this didn't really respond. Talking to Chris Fisher of the Cats Pops, part of the 247 network. More with Chris when we come back here on the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show tom leach here on the leach report pump and shop studio we are chatting with chris fisher of the cat's paws part of the 247 network and he was watching last night as the wildcats lost to tennessee and you mentioned the sec tournament chris in terms of kentucky trying to position itself for, of course, the best seed he can possibly get. And it's interesting right now, depending on who you listen to, they're either a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament, and they could, could end up a three seed in the SEC. But where, do, where does this leave Kentucky, in your opinion, uh, for the rest of the season, given the fact that this team, as good as it can be and has been, is battling a bizarre rash of injuries? It seems like uh, every week somebody else is hurt. Yeah, it is. It's been an odd season in that regard. You know, you had the season ending injury to CJ Frederick in the preseason and, you know, he was coming off that, that foot injury and then, you know, injures his hamstring literally right before the season opener, uh, versus Duke and Madison Square Garden. But then from that point on, it, there haven't been major injuries, but just little dings and, and nicks here and there that have kept guys uh, out of games. Severe Wheeler missed two games with that neck injury. Uh, Ty Ty Washington, you know, missed the Mississippi State game with uh, with an ankle injury. And uh, Jacob Toppin uh, also with uh, a lower leg injury. And so um, there have been some little things here and there. But to me, it's all about Kentucky getting healthy. And Yes, you want to win these games down the stretch and position yourself in the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, but none of that is going to matter if Kentucky is not healthy. And so um, it may be in their best interest to to hold Ty Ty Washington out of uh, the game Saturday versus Alabama and make sure he really gets back to 100%. Um, but, you know, the other thing, is, you know, the injuries – a lot of it is just luck, and you know I think Kentucky's had some bad luck in that regard uh, this season. And luck is one of those things you need in the NCAA tournament. And you know Jimmy Dykes hammered this home during the broadcast last night. But you know talking about being hungry and, and healthy and, and those kind of things going in, into the NCAA tournament. But he's absolutely right. And so for Kentucky uh, to make a deep run in March, as we've seen and as has played out over the course of this season, when they're at full strength. They are really, really good. They've been almost uh, unbeatable when they're not at full strength. And, you know, I think Ty Ty Washington is maybe the most important player to this team. He he just gives them uh, 
um, a different dynamic when he's on the floor. Um, you know, I think Oscar Sheboy is probably the MVP of this team, but uh, I think Ty Ty Washington is, is the most important, and, and they look like a completely different team when he's not on the floor. So for Kentucky to make a deep run in March, I definitely think uh, being healthy is kind of at the, the first and foremost. What is it about Ty Ty's game that makes you say that? Because I happen to agree. Yeah, you know, the severe wheeler is the guy that can, you know, get everybody a shot, you know, on the floor. And, you know, I think he's going to make a run at Kentucky single season assist mark. But Ty Ty Washington can do that, but he can also get his own shot. And I think he's probably the only player on Kentucky's team that can do that. He can, uh, you know, he can shoot the three, he can shoot off the, off the dribble. He has that really killer uh, mid range game. He can get to the rim. And so his creativity with the ball in his hands, I think is kind of what separates himself from everyone else and, and gives Kentucky a different uh, dynamic when he's on the floor. I think when you look at the success that John Calipari has had at Kentucky, some of his best teams have had multiple point guards and played them together on the floor at the same time. And I think that's the dynamic that you see with Severe Wheeler and Tata Washington. Wheeler can get it and go and push the pace and get guys involved. And uh, Tata Washington can do that as well, but he can also create his own shot. And I think that's what, what separates him. Well, I fully agree. And he can put the ball on the floor. He can catch and shoot. Yeah, he is a multi faceted multi-dimensional player about a minute left with chris but you know one of the things that has concerned me for a while is at time as powerful as oscar shibway can be chris there are times he looks tentative inside with a basketball do you see it that way yeah absolutely i think there are times when he it's almost like he gets the yips uh, around yeah. the basket and, and misses some easy ones. But, you know, like you said, he's a force of nature, and, you know, a lot of what he does on the floor is is through sheer force of will. But he's not the tallest guy for a center. He's not the most athletic. And we've seen him struggle finishing over length and athleticism uh, over the course of, uh, of the season. But he's still a work in progress on, on the offensive end. I think he's shown much more offensively than a lot of people expected. But at the end of the day, he's he's still a work in progress and uh, it'll be interesting to see the decision that he has to make at the end of the season because he's still not very high on any of the the mock draft boards and if he were to come back and you know really work on his offensive game i mean you know i want to say he could have a national player of the year i foresee the next year but he could have one this year so we'll see chris thank you so much have a great day all right you too Chris Fisher, the Cavs boss and 247 Sports, back in just a few with John Clay on the Leach Report. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. We welcome you back to the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Dick Gabrielin for the voice of the Wildcats at a late, late night coming back from Knoxville. Actually, we all did. Anybody who stayed up and watched and covered and wrote about Kentucky, Tennessee, that included John Clay, who stayed up, although today, this morning, first of all, John, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Dick. You wrote in today's newspaper about the Bengals, so we'll get back to the Kentucky-Tennessee game in a moment, but per your column, you are optimistic that the Bengals can make it back to the Super Bowl sooner than later, but there's a big if attached to that, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, they've got to, obviously, they have to improve their offensive line. I mean, I think it was kind of an aberration. You really had two teams that made the Super Bowls, and the Bengals and the Rams, who did not have standout offensive lines. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford got sacked a bunch this year uh, as well. 
but obviously they got to improve the offensive line. I think people kind of look over the the Bengals. They went out and free agency and signed, uh, signed Raleigh Repo, right tackle from the Vikings, but he got put out on IR late in the year. It wasn't available in the playoffs, and Burrow ended up getting sacked 19 times in their four playoff games. Um, I expect them to address it in the draft, but now as the runner-up, they have the 31st yeah. pick in the draft. So a lot of the, I think, difference-making offensive linemen may already be gone by the time the Bengals draft. So I think, you know, free agency is a possibility. The Bengals have a lot of cap room, 55.8 million. I think they're fourth in the league as far as cap space. So they've got the money to do it, and there's some intriguing free agents, I think, coming on the market. We'll see what uh, Mike Brown and Duke Tobin and those guys, what they decide to do. You know, too, though, that those intriguing old linemen realize the Bengals need me a lot, so they're going to have to pay me a lot. But it's money well spent, isn't it, to to protect Joe Burrow? Because look at what happened to Tim Couch, man, and you know this as a Browns fan, and the Couch left Cleveland. He was battered to death, wasn't he? Yeah, right. He had a shoulder injury that he you know really couldn't come back from. So, yeah, you worry about that. I mean, Burrow's already had an ACL. Uh, on the other hand, you think if you're an offensive lineman, and, well, two things. If you're an offensive lineman, you want to go to a team that has a great foundation on the yep. offensive side of the ball with a lot of great young players. When you look at Burrow and Chase and Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon, all those guys are, you know, in their early to mid-20s. Um, so that should help. And I think Mike Brown has gotten kind of an unfair reputation because if you look about uh, being a skin flint, because if you look at the last couple of years, he spent money on the defensive side of the ball. Trey Hendrickson, who had 14 sacks as defensive end, he was a free agent. Uh, DJ Reader, nose tackle, was a free agent. Uh, the secondary, they picked up guys who were, were free agents. They signed Sam Hubbard to a long-term contract last year. Mike's 86 years old. I think he'd want to, I think he wants to win a Super Bowl <laughs> before, in his lifetime. So maybe he'll, maybe he'll open up his wallet, uh, once again. Maybe this will, uh, be the motivation he needs to say, okay, we're going to spend some money on the offensive side to help Joe Burrow out. Well, you've also got two things going on. You mentioned his age. You're absolutely right. He's realized, if he hadn't before, can't take it with me, may as well spend it. But the other thing, and it's not all his money, but I know what you're saying. But the other thing is they get that huge chunk of money from the streaming rights, which is what, of course, triggered Jerry Jones to, to finally pay Dak Prescott Way more than I thought Dak Prescott was worth. But at least you're right uh, that, that Mike Brown is spreading it out where they need it on the offense and defensive line. And you mentioned in your column, Panay Sewell, who some people believe is a future Hall of Famer. Coming out of college, they were saying that. And, you know, he was had his ups and downs this year. The kid they drafted in the second round out of Clemson, the O-lineman, really didn't do much for them, which I thought was a big disappointment. Yeah, he's turned into me. Looks like he's going to be more of a project player uh, from everything you hear and read. I mean, they still are think he will turn into a good player, but he just wasn't ready to play and give him immediate help this year. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see, you know, down the line how that plays out. But, uh, you know, I think one thing they can't do is they can't say, oh, well, you know, we did, we had a mediocre offensive line and we still made it to the Super Bowl, yes. so we're okay there. And uh, hopefully that's not what they do. Hopefully they say, okay, we – you know, we were we're sort of lucky that we were able to get to the uh, Super Bowl with this offensive line. We've definitely got to improve this. And when you see Joe Burrow getting sacked six times in the second half of the Super Bowl, you know that's an area of concern that you've got to improve. Yeah, you're right, and and people might shrug that up. No one would say that. We've heard it before. There's no question. Uh, a couple more football questions before we get to basketball, John. Uh, what did you think 
of the latter stages of the Super Bowl. Obviously, the the holding call against the Bengals near the end zone was, was questionable. I thought it was holding, but they let everything else go that night. But the other thing is, you know, everybody on the O-line jumped for the right. Rams before that play. How does that not get called? I, you know, I don't know. And you're supposed to have your best officials, uh, you know, in the game and like uh, in the Super Bowl. And like you said, I think the uh, from early on, it seemed that the officials were okay. We're going to let them play. We are not going to be the story, right? Uh, you know, on calling a lot of penalties. We're going to let them play and let the best team win. And but yeah, then at the end, they start making a bunch of calls on holding. I thought one call, the call on Wilson for holding, I thought was was that was should have been a no call. The other one was debatable, but yeah, they totally missed the uh, the false start uh, penalty where everybody on the offensive line <laughs> moved but the center. Although it seemed to me during the year, especially the later part of the year, they were letting the tackles kind of get that extra step back yeah. uh, before just a half second or just a beat before the uh, uh, before the snap. But yeah, it was unfortunate because I I like it when they let them play when they don't call a yeah. lot of penalties. It just helps the flow of the game. But there at the end, they kind of uh, inserted themselves, unfortunately. And before we hit the break, uh, your comments on Zach Yenzer being named the new O-line coach. Was it a secret, but it's official now. And I love the fact, John, that he has connective tissue to, to John Schlarman. You know, I talked to Liam Cohen last week for a, uh, a story about, uh, you know, his background with the Rams and his relationship with Zach Taylor. And I asked him off the record, of course, at that time he couldn't say anything because they, you know, he had not been officially signed. But they're very intrigued with his background with the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan and what they were doing there, especially in the run game. So, in fact, uh, Liam told me he didn't really know him, but when they started doing the background check and found out, wow, this guy's from Kentucky. He's got a connection to John Schlarman. <laughs> told me it was almost like it was too good to be true that <laughs> they could find this guy. And uh, uh, I think they feel like it's very fortunate to convince him to come here and to find him. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what he's going to do with the run game next year, yeah. and especially as far as Will Levis is concerned. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and I think anybody who comes from the NFL, even with a deep college background but time in the NFL, you've automatically got the attention of everybody in your position room. We're talking to John Clay of the Herald-Leader. When we come back, we will double back to the Kentucky-Tennessee game. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach here on the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs Electric. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back. It is the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel sitting in for The Voice, coming to you from the Clark's Pumpkin Shop studio. John Clay, the Herald Leader, our guest. And as we mentioned, uh, John, one of many who stayed up last night late. And, uh, John, because duty calls, I know you can't turn the thing off early and go to bed. So, uh, you... (laughs) You've got a big-picture perspective. What do you take away? What does Kentucky take away from last night's game? Well, I mean, I wrote earlier in the week that I thought this would be the hardest game Kentucky played all year, and there were two reasons why I said that. One being, obviously, Tennessee had to be really motivated after getting spanked, you know, at Rupp a month ago, 107-79. They had to be embarrassed about that. I'm sure they had this date circled on their calendar. You play them one game at a time, but you can't tell me Tennessee wasn't looking forward to that game last night. And the other thing, Tennessee's playing really well right, right now. They've won seven straight conference games. 
seven of eight overall. The only loss was a one point loss at Texas. Um, you know, they had made some changes in their lineup, which I think that it had, had helped them. The thing, so I wasn't really surprised that Kentucky lost that game last night. I was a little surprised that Kentucky, to me, they got rattled early on. Yeah. Um, you know, Cal gets a technical almost right off the bat complaining about a Shibway, uh, foul, which I think Cal had a gripe, had a gripe on that. And then the little skirmish there in front of the Kentucky bench when Fulkerson kind of stumbled into the bench. I mean, after that, if Tennessee wasn't already, <laughs> already on fire, I mean, that, that, Definitely lit the fuse. They went on a seventeen to one run. Kentucky could not make a shot. You know, after shooting sixty seven percent against Tennessee up here, they showed, shoot thirty four percent last night. Uh, I just thought they kind of got discombobulated and rattled. Obviously, Ty Ty Washington wasn't completely healthy. Right. They early in the second half. Cal said after the game he wished he hadn't even played him, so that obviously didn't help. But uh, I was a little surprised at how rattled Kentucky got, especially in that first half. You know what amazed me about that dust-up, John, that scrum, as people called it, was what had happened. This comes, of course, in the wake of the little scrum that, that occurred in front of the Kentucky bench in the Florida game. And a lot of talk about Lance Ware, the enforcer. So when this happened, I thought, uh-oh, here we go again. But, yeah, I mean, that right after that's when Tennessee went on that 17-1 to run. So I guess it was emboldened. By the crowd, you know, and, and Kentucky had played right. where I, and you've been to Thompson Bowling many times as I have. I don't know if you've been to Lawrence, Kansas, but I've been there a few times. I am. Tougher yeah, place I am. to play than Tennessee, but the crowd, I thought, really lifted Tennessee last night. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they were into the game, too. I mean, it's a rivalry game. I mean, even without the what happened, you know, at Rupp on the 15th at Kentucky. That was an emotional game for Kentucky as well. As we all know, that was the day that Joby Hall passed away. Uh, so, you know, obviously uh, Tennessee, a border rival, emotional game, and then you add that factor in, and Kentucky played lights out. And Tennessee was ready to return the favor last night. Um, so, and Tennessee's a good team. And the other thing, the, the only other thing that kind of, and Cal talked about this after the game, of course, this is always a pet peeve of Cal, but Tennessee was physical with them. And I think really if you go back to after the Kansas game, Kentucky played Vanderbilt with Jerry Stackhouse's coach, Mandy tried to be physical with Kentucky. And I think you're seeing more and more of that. And then Cal talked about that after the game. they got to be able to stand up to that. Uh, and when you talk about physical, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, punching or stuff like that. It's like, you know, being, uh, blocking, out, blocking out on rebounds. Uh, beating guys to a spot, getting up and playing them tough. I thought Ziegler, the little guard from Tennessee, was obviously a big factor last night, not just from the fact of his scoring. He, you know, he scored, I think, 10 points in the second half, but um, he kind of brought an attitude to Tennessee, and Kentucky really didn't match that attitude. And I'm, su- I'm sure you're right. I'm sure Tennessee's home crowd had a lot to do with that. But I think we're going to see more of that moving forward. I think teams are going to say it's going to be tough to beat Kentucky you know, I'm a skill set, so let's try to be physical with them. Let's try to bully them and see how they react. Which is exactly what Vandy did, and that's how Vandy right. stayed in the game. So I think that's a great right. point. Uh, I, I had to go back and check on Tennessee because there was a certain point where I think a lot of us thought, and people were saying, well, they're not as good as they were last year. They lost so-and-so and such-and-such uh, to the NBA, and they had lost three out of five and they lost at Alabama, they lost at LSU, and then they lost at Kentucky uh, in between wins over Ole Miss and South Carolina, so you shrug them off. you know. But the three tough places to play, no question about that. But since that loss to Kentucky, John, and Jimmy Dykes and uh, Carl Ravage pointed it out time and again last night, that really lit their fire. The only game they lost was that ugly 
52-51 loss to Texas. So I think we're finding out Tennessee's not so bad after all, right? No, right. Yeah, no, they're good. I mean, Rick Barnes is a good coach. He's yeah. always going to have good defensive teams. That you know, obviously they played good defense last night. He's gone taller with his lineup, even though they lost one big kid, but put Plavsic in there. But uh, you know, Fulkerson's a guy. I know Kentucky fans. He's not exactly the favorite player of Kentucky fans. You know, they call him floppy bulky. Uh, but he didn't score or get a rebound in 20 minutes in Lexington. Yeah. He was a much bigger factor last night. Uh, for them, but you know, to me, I think you got four teams in the league that I think can make some noise in the NCAA tournament. When you got Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas, the Kentucky still has to go to Arkansas. They got a tough game Saturday. I mean, Alabama's fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. I know Kentucky will be, you know, ready. You know, Jacob Toppin said last night. They said in the locker room, "We needed this. This was a slap in the face. This was a wake up call." But, um, you know, Alabama's got some confidence after beating Arkansas. This will be a tough game on Saturday, even though it is a home game. Yeah, I agree. And then you get LSU after that. And then Kentucky right. goes to Arkansas, just as Tennessee does. And that's a team that is coming on strong right, right now. Um, I was talking to Chris Fisher prior to your coming on, and we kind of agreed that, yeah, Oscar is clearly the MVP of this team and, and perhaps National Player of the Year. But I don't know, John, how far they can go without Ty Ty Washington. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, they need Tata for a variety of reasons. I mean, the scoring. I mean, when he was out before, Cal made the comment that he's the one guy on the team who can create his own shot. Right. They don't have a lot of those guys he can score. Also, I think he's kind of a steadying influence with Severe in the backcourt. I think people kind of overlook the fact, you know, the way he can, Tata can pass the ball. I've always said, you know, the one thing that's really impressed me about him is he's a mature freshman. He lets the game come to him. He doesn't force things. Uh, they definitely need him. And uh, Cal said after the game he wished he hadn't played him. Uh, it kind of sounded like Tata talked him into playing. Uh, I think it wouldn't surprise me to see Tata sit out the Alabama game, maybe even another game after that, to make sure that he is back to 100%. Because, like you say, they desperately need him uh, you know, in the stretch run and in the postseason. Yeah, and they'll just have to figure out a way to pick up that offensive slack. And to that end last night, I was really impressed. You weren't surprised the way Tennessee camped out around Oscar. And he's still got his boards at some points, but everybody's doing that. But Tennessee absolutely sold out to take Kellen Grady out of the flow of the offense. And I don't know how many teams have the athletes because more than one guy did it. But I think uh, everybody's going to try to do that from now on, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, they did uh, put focus on Grady, not let him get into the flow. And you're right, he has the they, Barnes has the athletes to do that. He ran several guys at him. But Kellen's obviously key. He's got to be able to get shoot. And he's got, he relies on his teammates to set him up and get him that shot. And I think that was another uh, factor there with not having Ty-Ty. I think Ty-Ty helps Kellen's – well, he helps everybody's game, but I think he helps Kellen's game as well. Uh, I think, obviously – Kentucky does have one thing going in their favor. They do have Davion Mintz who can step in for Ty-Ty, who's obviously an experienced guy. When he gets hot, when he gets hot and shoots the ball well, he's a big factor. And you know he's going to – Bruiser Flint said the other day, the one thing you know about Davion is he's going to play hard every game. He's going to give you his best shot. So at least they have that, and uh, maybe they'll rely on that for a couple of days and get a couple of games and let uh, Ty-Ty's ankle get fully healthy. You know, and the other thing lost in all this, John, as we wrap this up, is Kentucky got it to eight. And as Calipari pointed out, had the ball twice and, right. and, and did silly things with it. So you got to give him credit for that. Yeah, they did. I mean, they, they fight. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, they don't give up, and they did. They got back in the game. They crawled back into it. I thought 
towards the end of the first half where they made it at least manageable going yeah. into the second half and then got it down to eight. But those scoring droughts just, you know, <sighs> they couldn't get past those droughts. They had a long drought in the first half, and then they had a couple in the second half and inopportune time. So, like I said, I wasn't surprised that they lost the game. I thought that was going to be a hard game. I was a little surprised that I thought they kind of locked lost their composure and got rattled. But uh, that could be a good lesson moving forward, especially when you're in the tournament, because things like that can happen in the tournament depending on the matchup. Well, Kellen Grady a few weeks ago said, at the end of the year, we're going to be grateful for what happened at Notre Dame. So maybe they'll be grateful for this one as well. And we'll find out in a very short amount of time because uh, the tournaments are right around the corner. John, thank you so much. We direct you to John's piece today in the newspaper, either online or on your newsstand, about those Cincinnati Bengals. And, of course, follow him on Twitter, at John Clay, IV John Clay 4. Think of John as, a, as your own personal Super Bowl. John, thanks so much. Talk to you later. Thank you, Dick. That's the only time we use Roman numerals, you know. We'll come back and wrap things up here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Thanks again to our guests, Chris Fisher and John Clay. And a reminder, links to stories about the Wildcats are on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll talk more Kentucky basketball and football tonight on my show on the Big Blue Insider, which is at 8 o'clock Eastern time because John Calipari's coach's show, radio show, is on uh, most of these same stations at 6 o'clock tonight, followed by BBN Radio and the Kyra Elsey Show. Uh, congrats to the U.K. swim teams, the men's and women's, collecting four medals and picking up three NCAA automatic qualifying standards. Broke a couple of school records on the opening night at the SEC Championships down in Knoxville, Tennessee. And one other note, Ryan Ritter, Kentucky's incredibly good shortstop, is on the Golden Spikes preseason watch list. That's the best award you can win in college baseball. Remember, Kentucky's A.J. Reed won it back in 2014. Thanks to Shannon the Dude. Stay tuned for Shannon and Billy Rutledge coming up next. That's it. So long from the Leach Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. 